0: Before we get into this episode of Conversations with Dwyer, I want to invite you to check out themattdwyer.com. There you can find merchandise like t-shirts or phone cases with the logo created by Charlene Yi, And you could become a Patreon subscriber. Five dollars a month gets you everything you could want. There's bonus material, videos, extended interviews, blogs. I sometimes do a podcast that solely lives on Patreon where I talk to comedians about the music they like, The themattdwyer.com. Explore it. Also, all social media is there. Thank you, and enjoy this episode of Conversations with Dwyer. <laughs> ¶¶ I'm Matt Dwyer, this is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Bloodless. It is from the album Bloodless by Claire Cronin, and that is out on Orendahl Records. You can go to the show notes, and there's links to all the things that you could buy, where you could buy this, because you should buy it, you shouldn't uh, stream it, you should pay for it, especially if you love it. It's a great fucking album, Uh, and this is a great conversation I had with Claire. Uh, And just for a side note, for fun, Orndal Records is owned by Owen Ashworth, who is advanced bass. And uh, Cassio Tone for The Painfully Alone was his other band. Both uh, also music I love. And you can go to the Orndal Bandcamp and purchase those things. All that's in the show notes. All things Claire Cronin is in the show notes, as well as the com. Uh, There's extra, if you want to go and listen to extra content from my conversation with Claire, there is. Sometimes there's two-part conversations, like when I had Kid Congo on. We talked for over two hours, and that extra stuff lives on my Patreon. You can become a Patreon subscriber for $5. All kinds of goodies on there. And I just want to say, it dawned on me after almost a decade of doing this podcast, I should have just called the show The Wire. Everyone calls me Dwyer. My guests call me Dwyer. Sometimes my kids call me Dwyer. Conversations with Dwyer. Clunky. It used to be conversations with Matt Dwyer. But that was in the early days of podcasting. There wasn't a lot of podcasts when I first started podcasting. Because I had podcasts before the show. Thankfully, they don't exist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I've been doing music comedy podcasting for a long fucking time makes me special. You know that? Um, But speaking of podcasts and websites, if you need a website, you can go to kellyrdewire.com and you can get a website made. Or you could have some photos taken of you because my partner, Kelly R. DeWire, builds websites. And she doesn't just do my website. It's not like, hey, we're married and she does this thing where she uh, helps out the dumb guy, which I am. Uh... But she does websites for My Favorite Murder, ologies, and a bunch of other political people, showbiz people, you name it. She does website sorts. So if you need one, go get a website. She does a great job. And, uh, and I am a dummy. I, I took apart the dishwasher the other day to take out, you know, to clean out the filters. Didn't put it back together correctly. And that little spinny thing came off and melted on the hot stuff. So, I'm a dummy, and I just scraped my car today. Dummy. New car. Scraped it. Dummy. Maybe I should call the podcast Dummy. Dummy. Dummy Dwyer. Anyway, please enjoy the podcast, this episode with Claire Cronin. She's great. The album is great. And uh, she also has a book out. I want to mention that. She has a memoir out. Uh, She's a fantastic writer. All these links are in the show notes. And now, my conversation with Claire Cronin.
1: I grew up in L.A. and was born here, and then moved around a lot as a kid, and then came back, um, and was here for most of my 20s. But then I went to grad school in Athens, Georgia, so we were there for four years, and then we're in the Bay for a year, and then we're back now. But in that uh, time, I feel like LA has become like prohibitively expensive
0: <laughs> to live in. I I moved here twenty years ago, and I lived in Echo Park. I lived in oh, cool. Angelina in Angelina Heights. Yeah, beautiful those and, little but, buildings. Yeah, I was right on uh, East Kensington, mm-hmm. and I had—I mean, my apartment was five fifty. Wow! And like that neighborhood was extremely affordable 20 years ago. And now it, I, I would imagine that place I had was, is gotta be near 2000.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It's nuts.
0: As a person who grew up here, is it, is that kind of wild to see? Cause like you probably witnessed it go from the whole thing.
1: I mean, we, I grew up on the West side, so
0: that's, it was always expensive.
1: expensive, but I didn't know because I was a child. Um, but it was a different world. Like it we were, you know, by the beach and um didn't like pass the four oh five. Um and then I moved to the east side when I was in my twenties and like being an adult. Uh but yeah, but even then, um ten or fifteen years ago it was not nearly as expensive as it is now.
0: So were you going to the Little Joy when the Little Joy was a beat up shithole?
1: Yeah, yeah, stuff like
0: that. I probably drunkenly bumped into you once.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) It was. It was crazy. It was like I remember that when the LA Weekly had the like article where it was like the coolest dive bar, and then the next time I went in there, it was just a sea of trucker hats, and I was like,
1: "Oh fuck!" Right? Yeah, (laughs) I know.
0: And that's when I feel like that neighborhood really started to go in a different direction
1: yeah i mean i yeah i don't understand cities like how people live in cities like is la just becoming like parts of new york where basically everyone just rents for their whole lives
0: yeah i i it's exhausting because i'm like i don't know we looked at rent in athens georgia i just because i was like all right i'm gonna look and it was like 1800 for a place that's I was just like, what are we doing? What are
1: we doing? We, I have f- had this fantasy many times of returning to Athens, you know, especially like having a child now. Suddenly I wish that we had a yard <laughs> um, and an extra bedroom. Yeah. People do it in Athens. Though, I mean, people there are, are complaining about the prices increasing too. So most places are, are hurting in some way, it seems like.
0: I don't, it, it, yes. Yes. I, and I talked to another guy who tours all the time and he was like, I see this, what, what you see here is happening all over the world. He's yeah. like, every city I go to, you see it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. doesn't really make sense to me because I, it doesn't seem like everyone is getting richer. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who's buying everything, but.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, in California, it seems like it's going to become of real crisis because if you're a mechanic, you could be like, fuck it, I'll go fix cars wherever. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have no work, working class people. Right. Or service industry. And then right. I know that's a problem in San Francisco to a degree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why so many people left during the
0: pandemic. Was your baby a, pan- a pandemic baby?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, that's not, I mean, I don't know that the pandemic was the reason he came into being, but, um, it was very stressful to like go to the hospital for any doctor's visits. And
0: yeah, we had a kid a year and a half ago in May, right when it was really starting to amp up and it was, oh, wow, it was really intense. Yeah. So you had no help in those first few months. Oh, we don't have any help anyway. Cause all of our families in other in chicago so we but also like i had to leave the hospital after one night and yeah did you have all that
1: we were there but i i wasn't allowed to leave the room um and you're like wearing a mask while you're delivering (laughs) (laughs) um so basically i mean i just was like i want this to go safely and if we both get out of this like okay then i don't care how uncomfortable I am I'm like expecting it to be uncomfortable and painful (laughs) and horrible (laughs) and it was and it was like I was trapped on Mars and I there was no there were no windows in the room and I was there for like 25 hours (laughs) just like trapped in a bed with a mask on but I mean that's okay we all we all came out okay
0: yeah six
1: months ago uh, yeah, about six or s- almost seven months. Uh,
0: how has that been as a person? It, has it been a big transition for you from going from a person who moves seems to move around a lot freely and to suddenly have... I know it was for me. It was like a big, like, oh, okay, this is not...
1: Yeah. I mean, it's confusing because there was, in the pandemic... Um, we, I mean, we took it really seriously and we're very scared and are still not really doing much. Um, So it was like I had given up all of my cultural pleasures already and any idea of being able to travel. Um, So in that way, it wasn't like a shock to have a newborn. Um, Though I would like, you know, I'm trying to like plan ways to tour in the future and it feels definitely more complicated. Um, and we haven't, like, taken any trips to see relatives in other cities. Um, so, maybe, you know, once there's a vaccine for that age group, <gasps> maybe we'll feel better about getting on an airplane.
0: Are you planning on taking the kid on tour with you?
1: I don't know. I was, is it feasible? I've heard that some people do it. You definitely need uh, some kind of babysitter traveling with you.
0: Does Does Ezra play with you when you
1: yeah i've done I've done plenty of shows and and some short tours solo um but I think when he plays with me it's it's more fun for me and I think it's a little more powerful like we can take up more room on stage with everything he's adding um like he creates kind of a soundscape and you know the viola but also some effects um that i then i'm like playing inside otherwise it's just me and a guitar up there.
0: do you prefer to have him there instead of just you and the guitar
1: um yeah i mean i both i like both um but if you're in a if you're in a big room or a you know a loud bar (laughs) it's definitely better (laughs) to have two people on stage and you know something else going on that's a bit a bit more of a spooky atmosphere instead of just like i don't know yeah Sometimes, like, being a girl playing guitar in a bar is is depressing. And, uh, yeah, I would like some more backup.
0: Yeah. I uh, I bartended for years, so I've seen a lot of lone women in bars. And just in general, that's a creepy, horrible situation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I was always, always the guy being, like, telling the other guys to, like, fuck off.
1: That's good yeah we had one of our worst shows many years ago before i had even i think when i was just like self-releasing records like on you know cdr at this bar in san diego that i don't even know how we ended up there like someone had booked it and said it would be cool but it was not cool and there was like just like a handful of regulars who were kind of like trucker guys um Uh. I know that situation. <laughs> yeah. But the other band we played with was like very avant-garde and was sort of like screaming at the audience and they hated that. But then at least when I was up there singing my sad song, um, I got one like, you sang real good, blonde girl <laughs> comment. <laughs> that was like as good as it got. And it was creepy.
0: <laughs> that should, You should put that under all your like. It's like the LA Weekly says, this guy in bar says.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> uh how did because uh, I know you write like which came first the the writing and poetry or music or did they just sort of happen simultaneously
1: um I guess I guess music um I've been doing both of them since I was a kid uh just kind of moving between different things was just always you know very interested in the arts um I was a visual art major in college uh, but was always like you know taking a creative writing class here and there um, or doing these little projects but was more serious about songwriting and music um, and then uh, but I went to grad school for creative writing but I felt like it I mean it's just you know it's a sweet deal to be in grad school like you just have so much time to be working on your art and like reading about obscure things and um, so it helped as a songwriter to be, like, thinking about poetry
0: and gave me time to do it. How old were you when you started music became, like, obvious to you? Was there a distinct sort of thing you heard and you're like, I want to do that?
1: Um, it was, uh, it was kind of this absurd thing of my dad really pushing me into music at a very young age and making me take guitar lessons when I was four with this like Suzuki guitar method. Um, And uh, so I don't even think it was my own decision in the beginning. And I was like, he was like really trying to like shape me into some kind of prodigy. (laughs) Was he Um, a musician? No, he's in the TV industry, but kind of always wanted to be an artist, but ended up being good at business Um, and is a very creative person. But I think, had this idea that I should be a rock star and that we should start at age four. (laughs) So I had like, you know, serious guitar lessons and was trying to write songs in first grade and was like making little tapes. Um, and that just kept going. And then I, at some point in towards the end of high school, I kind of like turned on all of it and was going through a big depression and fighting with my parents a lot. So then I stopped playing music for a few years, which is like the time when people usually ramp it up and are like, "I'm young, I can go on tour and sleep on floors." And I was like, "Oh no, I don't play music anymore." <laughs> <laughs> so then I didn't pick it up again until I don't know after college
0: or something like that. Did you mind that your dad pushed that on you? Because
1: yeah, I, I think I mind in hindsight. I at the time I really truly just wanted to impress him and was like doing everything I could to try to live up to it.
0: Cause I have a daughter who's about to be six and I'm like, I couldn't, I, I just let her sort of find what she wants and I don't want to push any, but though I, part of me is like, please play music. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, you know, it was a combination of like he pushed me to do it and I liked it and I showed an aptitude for it. Like he tried to get my other siblings to, take piano lessons and none of them are musicians and none of them cared and they tried to get me to like join the swim team and I was terrible like it's you know certain things stick and others don't so um yeah so I you know at this point I'm glad that I've had music in my life for so long um but it's yeah as a parent it seems tricky to know like like what kind of influence are you exerting
0: yeah and I don't know, because I also read about your inter, intergenerational trauma, which is something I worry about with my kids. Cause sure, everybody does, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think my parents did, but they sure gave me plenty. Right, yeah. <laughs> but was there was that something, I don't know, is that something you can speak of or about, or did you want to, or is it too complex?
1: Um. I mean, I don't have like a sort of straightforward story about trauma in that way, but in my book, um, which is about horror as a genre, but then ends up being a lot about my own experience and why do I like horror and depression and family history and religious beliefs I was taught, um... I think I just thought of, like, the idea of the ghost story and, like, sort of, like, passing on things to the generations that maybe you don't even speak about, but it's almost like this haunting that gets transmitted. Um, you know, just tragedies of people's lives that weren't fully seen or processed, and then it gets passed on to their kids, and there's, you know, with even unconsciously, maybe they're trying to, like, live it out to kind of fix it or they're repeating it in some obsessive way. Um, so thinking about that in general as something that happens to a lot of families, um, I mean nothing. You know, there there were s- small tragedies in my family history, but not any more so than probably most people.
0: Right. I just I have like PS. I have PTSD, PTSD, and there's been other things. And when you have a kid, sometimes it triggers those things, which is mm-hmm. something no one. None of those books mention that, right. <laughs> and it's like, so I I had to really like start working on things so I don't react poorly to my surroundings because of my kids. Because yeah. and then I was like, oh, this is how you pass these things along. Like, because I always thought it was like kind of, it seemed odd to me. Like, well, why would they get my bullshit? But then I started exhibiting my bullshit. <laughs> right. It's, it's like very complex and terrifying because I don't want that for my kids.
1: But if you're conscious of it and trying not to do it, I think that's a lot better than than most people are doing,
0: yeah, my parents were very much of the fifties era, and mm-hmm. that sort of like you know fucking be tough and all that garbage right. that uh which I'm assuming your father wasn't
1: yeah, not I think maybe his parents were, but he was he was not as much
0: did when you stopped playing music later on was that was would you say that was a direct sort of reaction to being forced to play it
1: yeah i think i was trying to figure out who i was without that identity um which is probably why i ended up being a visual arts major cuz i could i need you know i needed
0: some outlet um so i just switched arts <laughs> <laughs> Was that also, would you say, in play with the depression? Like to sort of having to re-examine or figure yeah. out who you were?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, depression its uh, is so complicated. So many forces that could, that could cause it or whatever. Um, but at that moment, I think a lot of it was like very old anger that I hadn't processed that suddenly came out once I was old enough to like kind of like take take a look at the world um and my family from a more adult perspective
0: yeah do you feel that perspective changing at all now that you have a that now that you're a mother now that you are a parent
1: i feel like um in all the intervening years since being a teenager i've i've just worked through i feel like you know i feel close with my parents and and at peace with with most of it um, and yeah, you know, being a parent, you, some of it, you're like, okay, I have more empathy for this <laughs> because it's so much harder than I thought, or I'm so exhausted and I can see why you would make certain decisions. And then some of it, I feel more judgmental, not necessarily my own parents, but maybe of other, other parents for like, like, you know, how could you abandon your child or how could you put them in any kind of danger? Like, it just seems I can't so outrageous now.
0: I know. I can't fathom, like, the guy who's like, I'm going to go get a pack of smokes and never comes back. I'm like, how do you live? Yeah. Like, how does someone live their life going, like, somewhere there's my daughter. Right. hope she's okay. I don't
1: know. And I feel more sensitive to to fictional and true scary stories that involve kids.
0: Yeah. What my tolerance is for what I can watch on television has even— non related to children just violence it's like it's astounding how that just everything clicks and you view everything differently
1: yeah 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 i, I mean that's probably a good thing to be more yeah. sensitive
0: yeah i'm and that's the other thing i can't fathom is these motherfuckers who are like starting wars and st- like or pollute like the oil executives I'm like don't you have kids like don't you fucking think about like are you they this
1: they don't f- think about it like that they must not
0: yeah, they're crazy. They're sociopaths. They I mean, there's no other way. Like how do you just Or click?
1: they're like that's like that'll be everyone else's problem. I'm building a rocket ship. <laughs> I I have so much money that I will just leave the earth and yeah, good luck.
0: That's <laughs> how I feel too. It's like they're just like just we'll just live in our little bubble house or Yeah. Something.
1: I think that's sort of what's going
0: on. But inevitably it's going to it's going to get you.
1: Yeah. I, yeah maybe a little later
0: yeah because I found when I had my kid too I do you do this where you start seeing scenario like we were watching dope sick and I was like there's like teens doing drugs and I'm like oh fuck
1: <laughs> I am scared of that stuff too and I and I think uh maybe unlike my parents Ezra and I both had kind of difficult teenage years and we're sort of rebellious and got into trouble in different ways. So I think we're both like, <laughs> we're <laughs> for that phase. But also maybe we'll be like, hey, you can't fool me. Like, I see what you're doing here. Or maybe our, you know, maybe our son will not be like us at all and we'll be very, he seems really happy um, and friendly, much happier and more and friendlier than either of us. <laughs> So he's he's already (laughs) off to a good
0: start. Uh, Yeah, that was my kids are both very happy, and I'm just like, eh, but I see that an element of that that was me as a kid, and then somebody fucked that shit up for me, real good. Yeah, that could be true too. And I'm just eh, so I really want to hold that, keep keep that within them, and that creative freedom, which Mm is you you might not be seeing it seven months, but like. My daughter just paints like a like, you know. It's just so free to watch her create, and I'm like, "Fuck, I need, to, I want that back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is important. It becomes, uh, yeah. Th- like my oldest daughter has become like an inspiration to me in a w- lot of ways. Like I'm like, I want to be this excited about everything. Totally. Toast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, yeah, you have to ask well, her her secrets. Um, but well, she hasn't been crushed by life yet, so I think <laughs> what that secret <laughs> uh, hmm. <laughs> at least that was what that ruined it to me for me, yeah. Did uh, when did you discover sort of your attraction to horror films?
1: Um, that was also old, that was as a kid, like we were because my dad worked in the tv industry um we were allowed to watch as much tv as we wanted and even like encouraged to watch more tv to help him because he was he worked at nickelodeon and and nick at night when we lived on the east coast um and so it was like a lot of kid programming that he wanted feedback on uh so like unlike most of my friends we were it was often like no like watch one more hour (laughs) (laughs) like
0: dad i want to read
1: And I, yeah, and then I did. I was like, I was like, I have to go to my room and make a painting. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but I, sometimes I would, when I was like alone with the TV, sometimes I would like find scary shows, which was like Unsolved Mysteries or, you know, some TV movie or something. Nothing actually that scary, but those are sort of the gateways and I would have like vivid nightmares, but I was just, I just found it so compelling. I just like kept going back to that stuff. And then it kind of like, you know, then I would kind of like develop this way of watching it where I could like numb myself out to it and like impress my friends and younger brothers by being like, I feel nothing. Like, yeah, you're, (laughs) you're watching this and you're scared, but I feel I'm not scared at all because I actually feel nothing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Um. (laughs) that's i'm just i'm did you do you feel like because i feel like there's too much consciousness of like we're always like limiting my daughter's screen time but i'm like if you probably let them watch whatever they wanted they probably would get sick of it right do you did you just get so sick of tv or did you kind of enjoy that
1: um i never i mean i still like to watch well, it's hard to watch anything now, but I like to watch like a little bit of TV, but I'm not like one of these people that binge watches stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't feel like I ever had like a TV addiction, um, or needed it on the background all the time. So yeah, I did get sick of it, but I, you know, I don't know, maybe each kid is different. Like like, I don't think I could have gotten addicted to video games because I'm just not... I don't find them that interesting. I'm not very good at it. They confuse me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I bought a I bought a PlayStation for just for the Blu-ray player. And then mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, I'll get some games. And like, after two days, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It just seemed like, I don't know. I think maybe... ADH maybe people with ADHD or um, some sort of thing maybe that's what where that focus goes I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Though I probably have ADHD, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, but I don't know about the screen time rules or what we'll do with that. Like Ezra was raised with no no screens at all. Um. So we had opposite opposite approaches.
0: Yeah was there did so what was the progression of like you the horror films like what sort of horror films are do you like now and like what was
1: um I mean I was just sort of watching anything I wasn't like like maybe I'm making myself sound like more extreme than I am because I wasn't (laughs) watching like the you know the most gratuitous like I wasn't like on on the hunt for like the most like fucked up film or something like I was watching just mainstream horror movies um And I never have liked slashers, though I've seen, like, all the regular ones. Um, And I don't like sexual violence. (laughs) Hopefully no one does. (laughs) Um, But I, so mostly I like the ones that are supernatural, um, more so than, like, there's a home invasion and it's very realistic. Like, that's more like, at this point, I'm like, I don't want to watch that. Like I can't. That's actually too scary.
0: Yeah, the purge ones fuck me up. Yeah, I'm I'm not not a fan of the purge. But I'm. But also, I also feel like we're 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 not too far from it.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, sometimes when it's yeah, if it's a little too on the nose. Um, and then there was that shooting. Wasn't that for a purge movie? Like a few months ago was like this it was like a tiktok star or something this young boy going on a date with a girl and they went to a movie theater i think this was in california and then it was just this random shooting of this other teenager in the theater um i think it was they were seeing the purge it was just like one of these horrible things well like movie theaters had just opened up again and they were going on a date and they were like the only people in the theater plus this one guy jesus i didn't hear this yeah, I don't, I obviously forgotten the details, but it was a terrible story.
0: Um, but when did you, just to go back to the music a bit. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, I was, but I was curious because like, if your father is sort of being like, play this, p- pushing music on you, did you have a period where you were allowed to discover your, what your own music or was that sort of,
1: was yeah I mean you? I
0: not like it forcing it on you but like it
1: I uh I mean he he showed me a lot of music that he liked from his generation um you know like Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell and um like 70s rock stuff uh but I was also influenced by my guitar teacher who was really into the blues Uh, and like old folk songs um and I think you know one thing that my parents did really well and especially my dad was that he was really supportive and really like praised my efforts so perhaps my ego was like a little inflated (laughs) as a child but also like I kind of think you need that to keep going um you know this balance between like thinking you're like really amazing and then like total self-loathing, um, but you need some of that like feeling that like you're doing something interesting to just to just keep writing songs or making art because otherwise it's like so absurd. It's like why am I doing this activity that has no uh, no practical purpose? No one's paying me for it. Like, <laughs> um. So I'm I'm grateful for the support and the encouragement.
0: When did you sort of find start feel like you started finding your own? Because I mean, I love your music for starting, but like your style is so unique, and like especially your singing, which I love. Thanks. But I, I, but I was just curious, like how that if if there are distinct influences that you had, and when you sort of started to go in that direction.
1: I mean, the only time I can remember consciously trying to sing like different people was when I was really a kid like in I don't know when that was when I was in like third or fourth grade and it was kind of like the Lilith Fair era and I would try to like sing like Jewel (laughs) (laughs) or
0: I I don't even know I would try to sing
1: like Bob Dylan she has like kind of a yodel thing that she would do um and then I and then my voice just was kind of some some results of those experiments um I was really I mean I've done like some vocal warm-ups but I'm I'm very resistant to sort of like vocal training which I feel like can smooth your voice out too much um yeah so I just I don't know it just was sort of the natural voice that that came out
0: is it is like being opposed to vocal training, is that so, do you feel like that sort of detaches you sort of from the, I'm not articulating this as well as I, like the raw or the emotion, the more emotional aspect of it?
1: For me, I, I think it, it might, I mean, plenty of people use it and have beautiful emotional voices. So I'm not like criticizing all of that, but, um, I like a voice that is like kind of on the verge of not being able to pull off what it's trying to do. (laughs) Um, And I think that vocal style is often the result of like leaning into what limited thing you're able to do instead of being like, I can do it all. Like, here's me doing the full range, singing very loud, singing very soft. Like, it's better if you're sort of like, okay, this is my range. Like, now I'm really reaching. Like, now I'm growling. Um, And it's more, uh, I don't want it to feel that distinct from a speaking voice or something. Uh, Yeah. the, The only time I've worried about vocal training is like when I've been on tour and i'm like my voice is getting raggedy after you know 10 days of doing this perhaps it's because i have no technique
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but to me i I mean i find that the music that i'm always drawn to is more along that lines of like there's a raw sense to it and i've uh, and it seems like a lot of people that i talk to that's what they're attracted i think that that's the sort of the core of music Is that sound Pretentious of me?
1: No, I, th- I mean, I, I think that's true of, like, you know, of what, I don't know, rock or, like, folk or some some old kinds of country as a voice that's that style.
0: Um, or even, like, primitive, like, the first early music was people banging a rock and howl. yeah, totally. <laughs> like, like I feel like there's it. it's like when you eat meat like you're like I'm primal <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: definitely something primal yeah
0: it's when uh, I don't know because I'm there's such a distinct quality about your voice that I'm just I'm sort of like when you write a song do you just let the does that just come from an emotional place or do you actually have to th- think about how you're gonna put that together
1: um it's it starts off very intuitively emotionally like usually one phrase will kind of come to me with with the melody attached to it it's not like i'm or it's very rare that i'm I'm like creating some melody on the guitar and then making up words later or vice versa um and then sometimes i have kind of like just a feeling and the words are almost like filler lyrics that are just like the sounds my mouth wants to make, um, to fit whatever the melody is. And then I, and then I just kind of play it over and over again until words start to come to me. And it's not until later in the process that I'm more strategically being like, does this make enough sense? Does it make too much sense? Like should, do I need to try and make another verse here? Um, But I try, you know, if it can, the more intuitive, the better, but it's, that feels like almost something I can't control. Like, it's so rare to get a song that kind of comes out, like, fully formed.
0: Yeah, I was, because I was curious about that, because you're a writer and a poet, so it's interesting, because I was like, where do the words come in I've talked to other people who are also musicians and poets and sometimes they're like, Yeah, it's the words first or and it's mm. interesting to me that you cultivate them over a period of time and let the sort of sounds like the music and emotion guide it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's definitely like a, a sung phrase that comes out. It's not like a line of poetry. Um though sometimes I will like look back through my notebook um and like pull words from different places. And sometimes pull words that maybe I thought were going to end up in a poem or something. So if I have like an interesting um, verbal image or something, then I could, then I will steal it for a song.
0: (laughs) Will it uh, also come from sort of mood or emotion or like a?
1: Definitely, I mean that's always there. Um, I don't know how to write in any other way. Like there has to be something emotional at stake that's giving energy to the song. Otherwise, there's no reason to write it. Um, but I'm not uh, I'm not able to sort of speak directly about like and I think the song would be terrible if I did if I was like I'm sad sitting in my room you know and that's sort of what my songs were like as a child (laughs) but uh,
0: and some people still write that way (laughs) yeah
1: that's okay I mean maybe those songs are more popular Um, but I'm, I feel like I'm only interested in kind of getting at emotional states from this kind of from the side more obliquely, um, in, in language that some of it is pretty direct and some of it is like more dreamlike, um, but just sort of makes sense to me emotionally.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm trying not to sound like a big dummy. (laughs) but it's like but it's like i mean i feel like music can you can get across emotion that you couldn't do uh, emotions and sort of feelings that you can't do with words or in other any other way yeah
1: yeah i mean the voice carries so much you could have like because have you ever had this experience of like there's a song that you find really moving and you read the lyrics written down and you're like well, not really much going on there. (laughs) Like if this was a poem, it would be bad. Like it wouldn't move me as a poem, but the voice is doing so much with just a simple phrase um, that it's really a different thing than, than literature. Like in a poem, you have to fold so much complexity in because the reader doesn't have that voice there.
0: Yeah. What always trips, what I always can't figure out is like, there's certain, like, you know, how, Say, for example, John Lennon will just have sort of garbly gook nonsense stuff, like whatever, mm-hmm. from one of his more psychedelic terms. But yeah. I'm like, why can he pull it off? And then somebody else does it. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. <laughs> so, like, I don't understand how that, how some people can do it and some can't. Like, does that, I, I don't know if I've made that. A... Yeah. I know what you mean. It's just surrealistic sort of like wordplay or whatever, or just in general wordplay. Right. And some people do it and you're like, that's genius. And other people do it and you're like, you sound like a fucking moron.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's gotta be, yeah, there are some, because I I don't know how to explain why it works sometimes, but I, I think uh, it's not random when it works. It's like there's some emotional meaning behind it. Whereas in other cases, maybe just, like, kind of a word salad. Um, These are just random things I'm throwing together.
0: Yeah, because I've I've been sort of amazed with that, like, also in literature. Like, Harry Cruz will write in a very sort of his way of speak or his where he grew up, and Mm -hmm. that's totally acceptable. Have you ever read any Harry Cruz? No. Mm -mm. He's just very Florida Southern, and Mm -mm. he'll write, like, rural Florida and people are like it's brilliant but then somebody else does it and they're like that's garbage and that's not proper grammar (laughs) and I'm like how how are some people able to pull this off and some aren't it's baffling to me is it intent is it honesty is it
1: I mean it's got to be some combination of yeah intent and honesty and just whether it's learned or whatever whatever kind of craft goes into that like how to be articulate within your own vernacular way of of speaking and thinking and maybe like, like if you can get closer to the way you actually think and talk, that's actually really hard to do. Like it's, um, instead of just sort of fall into the traps of like the cliches that we use or the sort of shorthands, um, that's, I don't know. That's what I would imagine is going on.
0: Yeah. It's such a tricky thing when people talk about finding your voice because it seems... It seems like the ob- most obvious thing, and yet it's the biggest fucking nightmare. <laughs> right? Yeah. Did you have a a period of time where you struggled with discovering what that was, just
1: in songwriting,
0: or either, or each, or your other writing?
1: I think I've just been doing it for so long that it's kind of developed through trial and error. Um, so I don't remember like a sort of watershed moment um but you know i mean i've for everything i've written that i've released into the world i've written plenty of things that are just really bad (laughs) so (laughs) that's like a large part of it is you just do the thing more and then you and and like exposing yourself to different kinds of of writing and music Um, both to give yourself ideas but also to like give yourself permission to be like oh you can just do it like that like (laughs) it doesn't have to have all this polish around it or this formal way of you know of writing the poem or this um you don't need a, a full rock band behind you or that's that's really helpful too
0: yeah do you do you when you're, Do you consciously work on an album or do you just write songs and then do you have a collection of things that you make into an album?
1: Um, I just write songs, but then maybe once I have several of them, then I start thinking, oh, is this going to become an album? Um, and I start noticing themes, but I can't if i try to i have many times thought like what i need is one more song that's like kind of short doing this and then i can't that like completely blocks me from being able to write it it's like the whatever the power is and the music is like like don't you dare <laughs> don't you dare ask that of me because
0: <laughs> well, like i was reading some reviews for some of your albums and it's like And I always wonder like when they're like, and these themes and this, and it's like, and this and that. And I'm like, are you laying that on there? Or is that something the artist consciously does? Cause it seems like a lot of people just lay their shit on there.
1: Well, if you're writing the songs within a relatively short period of time, like a year, um, then, you know, that's a year of your life when you probably are dealing with certain specific things and certain influences. So that can just naturally happen. Um, like with Big Dread Moon, the last record from 2019. Um, I mean, we definitely, when I was like coming up with this, the way that we were describing the album to send out as a press release and stuff, uh, we were talking about horror because I was doing all this research for my book about horror while I was writing the song. So a lot of like kind of excess language or things I was thinking about for this essay, this book, which is like nonfiction, um, that was leaking into the songs. So that was like an accurate way to talk about some of the things <laughs> in that music. Um, Bloodless, uh, this new album. It wasn't that I was influenced by a consistent set of things, but I just, so those themes are things I noticed afterwards. It was not like not intentional while I was doing it.
0: And you were working on the book and the album at the same time?
1: Yeah, but it was it was over several years um, that I was like writing the book, and then
0: the songs were over maybe two years. Uh, and forgive me for. Because I haven't read the book, oh, I have okay. every intention to. <laughs> no, no, problem, no pressure. Just to, to save myself, John hasn't read it either, and I just read it out. <laughs>
1: That's fine. That's
0: no, funny. I just I didn't have time to get it and read it before we talked.
1: That's fine.
0: Yeah. No, but I love memoirs. <laughs> it's my favorite sort of form of reading oh, or, cool. and biography. So I have every intention of reading it. But <laughs> I was without reading the book. But like, how was it to? go sift through things in your life and have to sort of go through that again. Cause that seems, cause I've tried to write something about a portion of my life and it could be just some of the most brutal shit I've ever endured.
1: It was intense, but it was like, sometimes it would feel really exciting and cathartic. And sometimes it would feel really dark. And like, I was like walking around with like my skin peeled off. (laughs) Um, I'm glad I could write that when I had the time and could be like kind of self-obsessed and like take these long walks and spend the whole afternoon reading. Like I can't, I could not have written that book now. <laughs> 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 Taking care of a baby.
0: Um, That's where baby whiskey comes in. Right. <laughs> that wouldn't, that wouldn't help the book. Right now. <laughs> that would help uh, me to relax. Yeah. Is that something you're concerned of now that you <clears throat> With parenting, because it was a big concern of mine.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah. There's just so few hours in the week right now that I can like work on something, and it's hard to. It's hard to like dive deep, and you feel like when you do have an hour you can be alone in your room and be creative. There's like a pressure of like, okay, it has to be really good right away, which is just not how it works. Like you need time to kind of mess around. Um, So I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out.
0: Yeah. The only thing I can say is it gets better. Uh (laughs) (laughs) It was because I mean, you're also in the first seven months, which is just dizzying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still kind of like, because we have, now we have two, and it's like, we, the, the, I just, there was a period where I was like, I'm never going to finish anything again. But I would just chip away at something every day. Yeah. And that's all, and then finally one day I was like, oh, like you could see the light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I think it's, one thing is that it's shown me like, oh, I didn't have to be like so precious about, I need my special room and my special time of day to do this and I need to have just had coffee. And then I, it's like, no, this is the only hour that you have. You're in the same room where you <laughs> do your day job, you exercise, you eat lunch. <laughs> like you have to also do your art in here. <laughs>
0: um. So. Yeah. I feel like it's made me more focused for sure. Like I've just been like, Where before I'd be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go right. And then I'd be like, dick around for an hour and like all that nonsense. And now it's just like, get to work or you don't get to work. Like just you just make things happen, which I feel like now, and it took me a little bit, but now I'm more efficient and actually put more out than I used to. That's great. It's terror. It's fear. Yeah. Because it's it's how I eat. (laughs) Yeah but it is like you just one day it all seems to click, I guess is all I could say. That's good. That's Do you good f- feel like it's changed your perspective on creating or, or, or what you up uh, your approach or what you want to sort of write with or write about?
1: Um, not really. I don't feel like I'm interested in different things. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what my next project is, but I'm... No, I feel like it's the, the main change is just having less time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just uh, used to hear guys say, like, oh, man, you can't get married and have kids. It's creative death, and I, which is, you know, asshole speak. But right. I just... I remember people saying that to me, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've... I, it's definitely a fear that I had. And I think, especially for women, um, like I, f- I thought, I felt like I had some good models of guys who were men who were still writers and musicians, but it was because their wives did most of the work with the kids. Um, and not a lot of examples of, of women who were doing it, but you know, there are a few, <laughs> um, and I didn't want to miss that life experience just to, you know, I've spent enough years like writing and making music that I felt like I was secure in that and knew that I would be able to
0: continue in some way. Um, yeah. My partner's creative as well. So we have to just pass the kids around and once, right. in while, once in a while we have to have, we have to pay someone to help us. Otherwise we'll lose. So I got a babysitter so I could take a nap a while ago. (laughs) That's (laughs) totally legit. Because, man, I'm fucking tired. That's all I know. I feel like I've been rolled down a hill every morning.
1: Yeah. We did our first attempt at a family vacation um, earlier this week. Went to Idlewild
0: for three nights. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. It was like (laughs) the least relaxing vacation I've ever had. (laughs) It was the first vacation... (laughs) We, you know, we had with the baby and also we hadn't taken a vacation since before COVID because we didn't do any traveling. Um, but I don't like, I had brought like some colored pencils, like some books I wanted to read. None. I could do none of it. We got the cow. Our baby did not sleep. Um, there's no sleeping in. So you're sort of up all night and then he wakes up at like six or 7am. Um,
0: it's like it's sort of like being on a coke bender without the coke
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're just exhausted and responsible for, for someone who's constantly trying to get into danger
0: yeah we've had these weeks lately too where it's like we also have two dogs so we have two kids and two oh, dogs so do
1: we, and that was another complication of this cabin trip
0: did With you find dogs. a cabin took took the dogs
1: it was like, yeah, it was like a cabin rental, but, um, the dogs are just going crazy all night too.
0: Yeah. We like, we're having one of those weeks where something wakes us up every night and oh, yeah. it's just like, it's, it gets to the point where like, it's maddening. Cause you're like going, trying to go to bed and then you're like, something's going to wake me up. <laughs> and the other night I woke up and like our smart speaker went off for no fucking reason started playing. The Death Valley Girls. Oh, no. that's <laughs> and a little I, eerie. It was. It was like it, it like a song that's a chant starts with an eerie chant too. Oh, wow. So it's like and I w- turned to Kelly and I was just like, see? I fucking told you something was gonna wake us up. <laughs> yeah,
1: you well, your house might be haunted.
0: Yeah. <sighs> well then they need to keep it down. Do you believe in ghosts and all that stuff?
1: Um Sometimes, I mean, I feel scared enough and superstitious enough that it would it would suggest that I do believe in them, but I can't like rationally defend that position in
0: any way. Do you feel like your superstition comes in from your Catholicism? Right.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, uh, or I mean, maybe it's genetic. There's, it's yeah, definitely a family trait.
0: Was your parents super duper Catholic?
1: Um. My mom is most is the really devout one, but both sides of the family are, like, Irish Catholic. Very, uh, yeah. very similar culture. My dad's from the Chicago area. Oh, yeah? Where from? Um, Elmhurst. Oh, yeah, I know Elmhurst. That was, suburbs, yeah. I, I know it well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just trad- very traditional Irish Catholic. Um, but my mom has a lot of, like, more fringe beliefs uh, that are very, like very supernatural and some conspiracy theory stuff
0: yeah that uh my family didn't really practice catholicism but that guilt and all that fu- it's all there like i'm just like how the fuck do i i have so much <laughs> guilt over nonsense and i'm like it's got to be like that just that thing that gets passed along
1: right though i i mean i wish that you know some people in society felt more guilt so i actually i'm not sure that the guilt's that bad (laughs) i would rather people feel kind of guilty and humbled than okay really really great about every yeah i would rather people feel kind of ashamed of themselves
0: (laughs) especially their naked bodies about
1: the bad things they're doing well i mean yeah not shame about everything
0: and thank you very much thank you
1: fun to talk to you
0: For listening to Conversations with the Wire, please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you, not and tell your friends about the show, that would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or the or conversations with the wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.